You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome, everyone, to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people and introverts who want to live their best lives, you know, live big without getting wiped out and having to sacrifice their health while they do it. Um, I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show. And, you know, last time we talked about hustling and how, yes, even highly sensitive people can hustle. Thank you very much. And so I thought this week we might go kind of to the other side of the coin. And talk a little bit about boundaries and you know because it's one thing to talk about yeah you can do it you can work hard you've got this but it's also really useful to know when to say no to know when to draw a line in the sand or rather with maybe cement and say uh-uh this is where we stop the problem though with boundaries is it's a word used so often that it gets i don't know it gets thrown around a lot and there's this assumption that oh well we all know what that means and I don't necessarily think it is very clear. And I'm in love with language, so you would think I would be if there were anyone who could be. And I'm not. So obviously that made me curious, went digging around, because I wanted to figure out how to express what a boundary is, and then how to build one, <laughs> you know, why it's useful, all of the things. So that's what we'll be talking about today give you a much better or more firm outline. I will talk about what highly sensitive people tend to be good at. I always kind of like to start with that. You know, we have a lot to feel defensive about. We should have a little time to be able to say, hey, but we're good at some things. Um, But, or maybe not even but, maybe an and, and what those strengths, because every strength has its underside of the coin, what those strengths can therefore mean with regard to our challenges. And one of the greatest challenges that highly sensitive people have do tend to be boundaries. Um, What is a boundary? So I just talked about why that's, you know, it's weird because it's a loosey-goosey term. Let's make it more concrete. You know, how are our boundaries shaped? Why do we have boundaries? What's the purpose of them? Um, What does it mean to have healthy boundaries? Because it is possible to have unhealthy boundaries, either too porous or too firm. Um, How to set them appropriately and how to use assertive communication strategies to support our boundaries, especially when, as it relates to supporting them interpersonally, like with others around us. So, as I promised, what are highly sensitive people typically good at? Well, Elaine Aaron always puts it in an acronym, D-O-E-S. Now, I don't know if what she intends is to call us does, or just does, or if it was just useful to put it in an acronym that was coherent, don't really know. But D is for depth of processing. When we think about stuff, we think about it all the way. We don't do any, you know, none of this half-assed, we'll sort of think about things superficially crap. No, 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 no. We're going to think about it into the nth degree. We have, uh, we're easily over-aroused, which I would say in terms of a strength means that we are easily amused. And E is for emotional reactivity. I would say it's also for like emotional nuance. We seem to feel wide. There's a wide spectrum of emotions that we experience and many gradations and a lot of depth. So the the intensity of our emotions can feel strong. And then S is for sensory sensitivity, you know, sight, 
smell, taste, touch, that sort of thing. So again, what this means is, you know, when these things all kind of come together, we tend to be people that make friends relatively easily because we can empathize with ease. We tend to be good problem solvers for the most part because we're thinking about stuff so deeply. Uh, we often know what others need sometimes even before they do. This isn't a hundred, not with a hundred percent accuracy, but we're pretty good. Most people would give us that feedback anyhow. And of course we appreciate the small things. That's kind of back at that easily amused quality in us. As nice as all those things are though, one of our greatest challenges is developing healthy boundaries sort of knowing when to draw the line between how can I serve and when do I need to serve myself. So what do I mean by a boundary? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I sort of alluded to it. It's, well, to be quite, to put it simply, the ability to say no to stuff you don't want and the ability to advocate for the things you do want. So basically having a boundary means being clear about what's okay and what's not okay. And how are these shaped? You know, what is it that shapes our boundaries? Well, it's a bunch of stuff. It's like a hodgepodge of things. So our cultural background can shape our boundaries. So just as an example, I currently live in Oregon, which is housed within the United States of America. That's a very specific cultural, uh, what is it, lens, I guess I'd say, that I'm looking through. It's distinct from, say, a cultural background or, you know, cultural experience someone would have if they were born and raised in France or in South Africa. You know, they're just different. So my cultural background has helped shape my notion of what a healthy boundary would look like. Um, the region we live in. So as I mentioned, I'm currently in Oregon. Even though, you know, there are plenty of southern states, I'll just use Alabama as an example. I mean, there's a, there are regions in Alabama that are very, very different than the sh small region within Oregon that I'm living in now, even though it's they're both in the same country. So it's not just the cultural background we're living in, but also the region, um, our life experiences. The example I love to give here, you know, I, I think I've mentioned on multiple episodes that in terms of love languages, one of my favorite is physical touch. And that can be pretty controversial because, you know, ooh, hey, 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 what does that mean? Um, when really I'm, I'm a hugger, I'm a snuggler, you know, touch has always been, you know, I, I think part of that was innate in me, much the same way as you know, I was born loving the color green. I've always been faithful to green. I just love it. Well, I've also, I mean, I might've been born with a predisposition to love touch, but on top of that, my life experiences have continued to illustrate to me that touch is positive. I haven't had someone violate me physically in such a way that would make me feel like touch is a negative thing. It doesn't mean I don't know that that, you know, it does, I, it's not that I don't know it exists, that violence isn't out there. I'm not naive, or at least I'm not that naive. But so far, in my small slice of reality, all of my experiences with touch have predominantly been very positive. So that's helped shape my preference and my sense of where a boundary would, where I would put a boundary with regard to what's okay with regard to touch. You know, is it okay that I hug you? Yeah, give me a hug, I'm a hugger. You know, if I'd had a different set of experiences, if I'd been um, violated physically, whether that's sexual assault or whether it's just an uncomfortable form of touching in any way, shape or form, that might have reshaped whatever I would consider to be a healthy boundary in that arena. Um, the family we were raised within. So to use the same example of physical touch, my family is also like, 
that's a family of huggers. So that's informed what boundaries I set around that particular uh, form of communication. And then finally, just our individual temperament. And when I'm talking about that, I'm using the big five. So introvert versus extrovert, conscientiousness, neuroticism, agreeable versus disagreeable, and openness to experience. And this too can help inform our boundary. I'm an introvert. So as much as comfortable as I am being in close proximity to another human, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to be, well, around a bunch of humans all the time, networking and having to engage in what I would call superficial conversation. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Superficial can be extremely important. You know, the, the hello, how are you? What do you do? You know, how's tricks? Those are great openers. <laughs> I'm not poo-pooing them. But they're more taxing to me than the, what are your highest and biggest values? What are you passionate about? You know, tell me about your childhood. I don't know, whatever. Um, so as an introvert, I might sit, find myself needing to set more boundaries around social events. But I'm also extremely open to new experiences. So someone might invite me to do things that I would be extremely open to try even though I won't necessarily want to do brand spanking new things around a ton of people all the time. So all of these different variables can shape what our boundaries, what we perceive as a healthy boundary. But why do highly sensitive people struggle with this? Like, why is this something that I would bring to an HSP podcast? Why not just to, you know, psychology today? Well, highly sensitive people, at least from the research I've seen and from those that I've worked with, they tend to be afraid of conflict. Now, I don't have specific research to back up whether this is just an HSP thing, but I do know that there are, I want to say, um, I don't know, would this be a neurosurgeon or a neuroscientist? I don't know, someone who has access to our brains and MRI scans or C scans or whatever those, <laughs> whatever those scans are called. When we map brains of different kinds of people, there are some who, when, you're, when they're in conflict, you can see certain areas of the brain light up, but you won't necessarily see any location that's linked with pain. But there are some individuals who, when in conflict, the place that lights up in their brain is linked with pain, as in physical pain. So for some people, to be in a conflict is physically painful. Now, I don't know if this is true specifically and or only for highly sensitive people, but that would be my guess. My guess is that there's a high correlation between those that link conflict with pain and those who identify as being highly sensitive. Um, highly sensitive people also tend to like to be liked. I mean, you know, it's only 20% of us, so 80% of the time we feel different or weird or strange, so it feels kind of nice when someone says, hey, I like you. Um, you know, so we can kind of come across being a little defensive given that our needs aren't the same as most others. Given that we're conscientious as a rule, we like to get the job done if we can, so we say yes. We have a bad habit of assuming that our take on a situation is always the correct one rather than asking first. So that's the, oh, I just assumed that you blah, 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 blah. And that may or may not have been the case. We do come by this honestly. I can speak for myself and for those others that I know who identify as HSP. Most of the time when we start drawing conclusions, we are right. <laughs> so, you know, give us a little slack on this one. 
But when we're wrong, we can be oh so very wrong. And this can be a problem when trying to effectively negotiate boundaries with another person. You know, we might be setting boundaries or not setting them or just ignoring them or avoiding them so that we don't have to set boundaries because we have all these assumptions about what is expected of us. And we haven't just been willing to come into a conversation and ask, hey, is this what you're expecting of me? I mean, just checking. Highly sensitive people might hide behind their sensitivity. I shouldn't have to set boundaries. It's hard. Now, I don't know any HSP who would say it out loud like that, but most of us feel that way. Just saying. And they tend to be good at... This is actually kind of linked with what I just said. Highly sensitive people tend to be pretty good at not crossing boundaries, the boundaries of other people. Because they pay such close attention to the people around them, they're, dare I say it, sensitive to when a person near in our sort of bubble is slinking away from us or sort of pulling away physically or the expressions and the nuances, like the subtle nuances and shifts in their expression. And so because we tend to be so good at not invading that space, it can be confusing when other people try and invade ours because it seems like it would have to be conscious, right? I mean, why would you invade my space? How do you not know that this is invasive? Really, though? Well, the answer is that not everyone, like, is, not everyone has the same equipment that we do. This is not to say that we're psychic and that not everyone else is psychic. I just mean not everyone is paying such neurotically close attention to every other human being around them. Some people are a little bit more lackadaisical with that stuff. They just assume, because this is how they behave in the world, that if they've done something that you don't like, that you will tell them which I don't think is a terrible assumption to be making. So these are some of the reasons why highly sensitive people might struggle to form boundaries. It's sort of like, but I'm so careful not to bump up against yours. Why aren't you being careful with mine? Well, because 80% of people don't operate like you. It's really that simple. Having said that, there is a balance to be struck here. And I'm using an analogy that will totally give me away as a nerd, but... If you've ever seen the show Star Trek, uh, you'll notice that they talk about having shields. So the the show, I, I can't imagine you don't know what it's about, but you know, it's a group of people, they're explorers and they go out and their aim is to just meet new kinds of people, aliens typically, and chat. Hey, how are you? They're sort of like futuristic anthropologists. Anthropologists. Anthropology? Anthropologist? Yes, I believe. Anyway, so when they approach a new species, uh, a new group that they can't yet identify, I don't even know what I would say about this, they have kind of a strange, I would say there's a tense moment there. And they look to the captain and they say, should we raise our shields? And most of the time the captain says, no, no, not yet. Because as soon as the shields are raised, other community members, even if they don't speak the same language, can usually see, oh, the shield is up. That must mean they're ready to attack. Because once the shield is up, they can attack. They can shoot off their weapons. But here's the trade-off. No one can come aboard once the shield is up. That includes people that are in their own crew. 
no one can leave the ship, no one can come back on. And so I feel like this is such a useful analogy, because when you have, when you're trying to figure out what a healthy boundary looks like, in my mind, it's a, it's a boundary that is porous enough that the people who you love and the people who you trust can come on board. And when I say come on board, I mean they have access to you, to your, vulnerabil- to your vulnerability, to your secrets, you know, to your shadow self. They have access to that stuff and you trust them. And so you want to have that kind of connection. But you also want boundaries that are firm enough that if there are those out there who don't have good intentions and have every intention of shooting you because why not just shoot and ask questions later? Well, you have enough resilience that you could defend, defend yourself. And that's important. So it's important to know when to put the shield up, when to have it down. And even when you have it up, what's the appropriate level of um, defensiveness, I guess. So why even have them? I've alluded to it a little bit, but having healthy boundaries, I say healthy because you can have unhealthy ones. um, They can allow you to express yourself as an individual rather than getting immersed in other people's experience. It allows you to be able to distinguish, this is my experience, this is my spacesuit that I'm operating in, these are my problems, etc. They can allow you to communicate effectively with others and set expectations for how you would like to be treated. Brene Brown often says, clear is kind. It's interesting because most people really appreciate being held accountable like that. I imagine you do. I know I personally do. I know when I'm working with someone who's really clear about what's okay and what's not okay, there's a comfort to that because there's no ambiguity. There's no sense of, oh, shoot, I don't know what the expectations are. Did I do something wrong? You don't have to worry about that because they tell you. Um, They can help us to preserve emotional energy. We can have more fulfilling relationships because me being honest about what's okay and what's not okay invites you to be honest about what's okay and not okay with you. Um, We can be more productive. So these are pretty cool things to have in your back pocket. What are signs of unhealthy boundaries? You're tired all the time because you've overcommitted yourself. You are resentful of others for making requests because you haven't learned to say no. Um, You feel misunderstood all the time because you haven't learned to say what's okay and what's not okay. You give for the sake of giving regardless of what your capacity is. There's that no word again. Um, You never or rarely say the word no. Uh, You accept advances from people that you don't want. So I know I refer to physical touch being one example of this. If I were to say yes to a form of touch that wasn't okay with me, That's an extremely unhealthy boundary. I'm not defending myself and being clear with what's okay and what's not okay. Um, You let others define you. You have difficulty either defining or asserting your needs. The people in your life don't support your needs when you make them known. You are perfectionistic. So these are signs of unhealthy boundaries. So then, healthy boundaries look like this. You know your values and your actions are in alignment with them. You know when to say no respectfully to others. So this isn't any of this like, I don't care what your feelings are. I don't want to do it. No, it's a respectful no. I cannot do that. You feel valued and respected by people in your life because, well, you respect yourself enough to have healthy boundaries, which then sort of gives a cue to other people that you are a person to be respected. 
you know what your needs are, and have no trouble communicating them. And I do want to pause here for a second. Most highly sensitive people, in my mind, it's not even necessarily that they have trouble communicating their needs, although that's a challenge too. It's knowing what they are in the first place, because they tend to be so good at walking into a space and knowing what's needed, what the room needs from them or from someone, and then so the HSP kind of steps up and says, I'll do it, that they just don't know what their needs are to begin with. So having an unhealthy boundary doesn't necessarily mean you're unwilling to say no. It might mean you didn't know that that was appropriate for yourself because you haven't even done that sort of self-inquiry. Anyway. Uh, You feel comfortable self-advocating when your rights are being violated. You know how to show compassion and empathy without taking on their woes. So it's one thing to be empathetic and say, Hey man, I've felt that on my own skin. That really sucks. I'm sorry. That's not the same thing as, Here, let me take on all of your problems. I'll fix it. I'll I'll just absorb all of your negative crap. No, no. That's unhealthy boundaries. (laughs) Uh, You schedule time for self-care, and you defend that time. It's not negotiable. You have rewarding relationships. You notice that the people in your life respond positively to you. Um, You spend most of your time feeling grateful as opposed to resentful. So it's a sign that you've probably got some pretty healthy boundaries. That sounds nice, but how does one set them? How do you set healthy boundaries? Well, I've put it together five here. So one is identify your greatest values. To give you an example, mine are health, my relationships, purposeful work, growth, and integrity. Um, You identify your can't stands and your must haves. What are the things that you absolutely cannot stand, whether it's from the people in your life or your work environment or what have you? And what are things that you can't give up? You are unwilling to negotiate. It's sort of like, Find out what your non-negotiables are and then don't negotiate them. (laughs) That's a healthy boundary. Make a mantra. So when people come up to you and start making requests, it will be very uncomfortable to say no, but you might set a mantra. This is something Brene Brown does a lot. And for her, she'll say, it's better to be uncomfortable now than resentful later. Keep a resentment journal. You know, keep note of those times when you cave, when you shouldn't have. That'll give you some insight. And then rehearse. Rehearse, 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 rehearse. You know, This is something you have to practice. It's not easy for most people to have healthy boundaries. It's really hard for HSP. So practice it in front of a mirror or something. Anyway, communication strategies. So this is when you're trying to communicate with other people. Uh, I'm using be assertive. Be, be assertive. Uh, Not aggressive, just to be clear. Um, And I know I've made mention of these before, but just so you were clear here, there are four types of communication styles. There's passive, I don't know, whatever you want to do. There's aggressive, we're doing this and I don't care what you want to do. Passive aggressive, okay, fine, we'll do what you want to do. We always do. So it's sort of the, I'm going to be mean to you, but I'm going to do it in a way that doesn't allow you to defend yourself because it's kind of mean, but not really mean. It's why it drives people crazy. And then assertive. Assertive is, so passive is, you matter, I don't. Aggressive is, I matter, you don't. Passive-aggressive is, I matter, but I don't want to have to defend myself to you because that would require me to be responsible for myself, so I'm going to pretend I don't matter and at the same time attack. Assertive is, I matter, you matter. 
you want to be assertive when you're trying to communicate your boundaries. So what characteristics do you look for when you're looking for someone who's assertive? Eye contact, someone who's willing to look you in the eye. Um, calm body posture. So your chest is up, your back is straight, your shoulders are down. Think like you're getting ready to do, I don't know, mountain pose for a yoga or something. Like you're just, you you know, that, that neutral, I was going to say neutral zone, but like neutral pose right before you get started. It's like your back is, you're up straight, you're ready, but you're calm. Um, gestures as you're talking that appropriately communicate, like complement the content of your words. Firm voice, not too loud, not too meek. Steady speed of speech, not too quick and not painfully slow. Useful content, not too much and not too little. Say only that which you need to say, no more, no less. And I messages, so don't make it about the other person. So some examples of techniques. Well, first of all, practice, practice, practice. Did I mention practice? Um, repeat your stance. So as an example of this, if someone says, hey, would you like to buy my who's and what's? No, thank you. I'm not interested in a who's and what's. But I really think you'd like the who's and what's. I don't want to buy a who's and what's. Do you think there's anyone in your family who would like a who's and what's? I'm not interested in having a who's and what's. Would you be willing to take a brochure of the who's and what's? I will take a brochure of the who's and what's. Thank you. Boom. It's like you're repeating your stance almost ad nauseum. Um, you agree where you can agree. So this is useful when someone tries to attack you. God, you never say yes to anything. Yeah, you're right. I, I often don't say yes. I, I imagine that is frustrating. So you're agreeing with them. You're not agreeing with the level of uh, frustration that they're feeling by virtue of you saying no, but you're agreeing. Yeah, you're right. I, I do say no a lot. I'm sure that's frustrating. Um, and you develop a workable compromise. What, sort of like in the who's and what situation. I don't want one. No one I know wants one. I'm not going to buy one today. Will you take a brochure? Yes, I am happy to take a brochure. Why not? Sure. So that was the compromise. So examples of preventative boundary building, because that's just stuff you can do in the moment. It's like, I'm trying to be assertive with you. And when I'm being assertive, these are the techniques I use. And I actually want to back up a little bit. Um... I want to go into a little bit more detail when I said, because I said I messages, and I feel like I just breezed over that. It deserves a little bit more attention. So what we have a tendency to do, and when I say we, I mean everybody, but sorry, fellow HSP, we in particular, have a tendency to want to deflect. It's not that I have a problem, it's that you are trying to make me do stuff I don't want to do. That's not useful when trying to set a healthy boundary. Setting a healthy boundary is about taking ownership of, forgive my language, but it's taking ownership of your own shit. You're not trying to like blame other people for your emotions. Instead, it's, this is what I need. These are my must-haves. These are my can't-stands. I need this. I would like this from you, perhaps, but... When you did this, it made me feel that. That's fine because it's behavior oriented. But anytime you're trying to communicate your boundaries, you want to stay as far away from you messaging as possible. You want to come from a place of, I can't do that. I don't want to. <laughs> I have a conflict or a schedule conflict. I don't like when blah, blah, blah happens. It's I, I, I. And 
when you're trying to communicate assertively and in a way that helps defend your boundaries, it's great to have eye contact and calm body posture and gestures that are appropriate, all the things. But really, I think perhaps the most important one is just being able to take ownership of your own experience and not trying to deflect it onto another person. All that being said, it's one thing to have to defend a boundary to others. I find with introverts and HSPs, sometimes the person you need to most defend a boundary with is yourself. I know, we're weird that way. So here's some examples of preventative boundary building that you can set up, um, or rather, actually I'll do that in a second. So, you know, in terms of setting boundaries for yourself, um, schedule time for yourself to do some emotional processing. Like make it a daily thing. Allow there to be a constant space for you to just decompress and think about your day. Sometimes, because life does happen irrespective of your private goals, you might find that you need to process all your emotions for a longer period rather than submit to your to-do list. Um, What I mean by this, so I have a schedule and I try to really stick to, I want to have a podcast out every week. I want to make sure that I'm you know, working on my courses and I want to make sure that I get to work on time and I want to make sure that I get my workouts in and my meditation and my yoga and all the things. Well, yesterday I felt really emotional. It was just, it felt like it was, I didn't have much energy to do much of anything. Now in the past, I would push myself to the nth degree. I would push myself into the limit. It's like, well, I don't feel like I'm physically sick, so I'm just going to keep going anyway. But what I've learned over time is that when I push that boundary, I'm using that word here, I end up sort of dragging myself into more chronic fatigue, which then means I have to sort of self-isolate for a much longer period of time. So it's sort of like this roller coaster ride of this long stretch where I'm super productive And then this long stretch where I'm not as productive, but I'm working just as hard, even though I'm not being as effective in the work that I'm doing. And then because I've pushed myself beyond my capacity, I'm exhausted. And then I need weeks to recover. Now what I notice is, hey, I'm starting to feel those first signs of emotional overwhelm, fatigue, like there's a lot of stuff going on in my private life or whatever it might happen to be. Try and honor that because the sooner you do, the faster you'll rebound and get back into that space where you can be productive again. So communicate with yourself the same way you want to communicate with others. And now this actually brings me back to the whole preventative boundary building that I mentioned. Um, Things that can help. Create a schedule that allows you to get your needs met and stick to it. So have built-in time for decompression, for rest for meditation, for whatever it is that rejuvenates you. This makes saying no to things a little easier because you've already accounted for the time. So just as an example, if you already arranged to go to a workout class and then your boss calls you in and says, hey, can you stay an extra hour? If you've already pre-enrolled for that class, you might just say, I'm really sorry, I can't have a prior engagement. But if you can give me a couple of days notice, I might be able to do it in the future. Right there, bam, you're not saying no to your boss. What you're saying is, no, this is too short a notice. And what that's going to invite in the future is someone who's gonna plan accordingly in in advance. And you don't even have to say that it's for a workout class, but at least you have something on a calendar that you can lean on and say, no, I'm sorry, I have a prior engagement. And it won't be a lie. 
Uh, turn your cell phone on D&D when you need it quiet. Put an auto message out if you're worried about people feeling slighted by it. This is huge for me. There are times when I'm just not in the mood to have to socialize with folks. And so I'll put it on do not disturb. I'm not turning it off. I'm not unwilling to check my phone periodically. But I don't need the constant, did he? You have an email. You have a text. Did he? You have a call. All the things that Facebook or this or that. And it's like, I don't need to know every single time something is in my inbox. That is absurd. Like that is just too much. Some people love it. I'm not a fan. So just turn it off or turn it onto a mode that's easier for you to get your job done. Learn how to say yes in a way that clarifies your no. So no, I can't do that. But what I can do is this. No, no, this is what I can do. Yeah, I can absolutely do this. I can't go beyond the thing that I've just said yes to. And you can always ask for more time to consider and put on a concrete time that you'll get back to them. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, would you mind doing blah, blah, blah? You can always just say, you know, I mean, I want to say yes. I, I'm honestly going to have to check my calendar. I think I might have something at that time. Let me double check. I will, can I get back to you in like an hour? Perfect example. So you're not saying, you're not just brushing them off. But you are give, you're giving yourself some time and some space. So that allows for you to be able to communicate without feeling like you have to have an answer right, right now. So, and finally, when all else fails, make a clean cut. A great example of this. So I was dealing with, how much is, it was a family drama, I guess I would call it. And I was playing mediator between a member of my family who had a history of mental illness and another member of my family who had a history of drug addiction. And I thought, because I'm not that smart, apparently, that I could have a rational conversation with each of these two humans via text. So they would text me and there was a group chat and it was going on and on. And I was just absolutely beside myself. And I, practically throwing a tantrum, went over to my grandmother and I'm lamenting about all of my woes. And she said, well, you know, the problem is you kids have these phones today. So even if you were able to calm down, you don't because you just keep the pot boiling. Oh my God. Nana, you're a genius. I don't have to have my phone available to them all the time. I don't have to engage with them in this way. And in fact, it's not helping me and it's not helping anyone. So I very politely said to both, this is a phone that I use not only for my private use, but also for work. I'm going to turn this off because this has now gotten to the place where it's just distracting. But if you do need to reach me, you can reach me by, via the landline at such and such a house and I will answer magically within probably 24 hours all of the drama and fanfare that i thought was so awful stopped it's like oh i don't have to deal with this awful bullcaca i i can choose something different in a similar vein if you are constantly feeling like your job is taxing you i'm not saying you can do it today or tomorrow but you can leave that job Trust me, I've done it. (laughs) 
If you're in a relationship that just feels like you're banging your head against a wall over and over and over, and you're, you've used all of the resources that you can, you've used the iMessages, you've tried assertive communication, you've done the things, and they just don't seem to get it, you can leave. Whether that's a friend, it's a romantic partner, you can, and in fact probably should, just make a clean cut and say, I have done everything I can, I am no longer going to engage with this particular relationship because it's sucking the life out of me. Thank you very much. That's a perfectly respectable boundary to hold. So that's an example of when, if you're on Captain Picard's ship, someone has just legitimately shot a weapon at you. You know what? Yeah, shields up, put them up. <laughs> like, no, we don't really want anyone coming aboard. We're not interested in having a conversation with these folks. They just shot at us. There's time and place to just let it go. Letting go can be a very powerful thing in the realm of setting a healthy boundary. So I do hope this information is helpful to kind of wrap all of this up, nightly, you know, sort of neatly. What is it that HSPs are good at? They're good at building relationships. They are good at going out into the, you know, outer reaches of, you know, emotional outer space and figuring out ways to connect with people that might seem almost impossible to connect to. And that's a neat superpower. The problem though is sometimes they need to put up a boundary and they don't. Either because they don't know how or because doing so is really uncomfortable for them and it causes conflict that they don't want to deal with. All the things. But in holding up healthy boundaries and being consistent with them, it makes your relationships much more rewarding. And this is feedback I've gotten from friends as well as from lovers. It's it's I'm very kind, sometimes I'm nice, but it can be difficult to know moment to moment what it is I actually need because I'm so timid about expressing it. The more clear I am about what's okay and what's not okay, the better the results I have with the people I love most. And I don't just mean that I get what I want, I mean they seem to appreciate my honesty. So the same would be true of anyone. When you're honest and when you're clear, your relationships improve. Um, you know, how our boundaries are shaped is a culmination of all sorts of things. Our culture, our family, our experiences, our temperament. But that does not mean, even with all of that stuff, it doesn't mean you. They, it isn't moldable. You know, it's firm. It's, you know, not jello. <laughs> but you can mold it and shape it to what's appropriate for you right now. And in fact, ideally, you're doing that always. You know, the boundaries that I draw up for myself at this age and at this time and this place with the work I do might be very different from that which I talk about doing 10 years from now. Having boundaries not only helps your relationship with other people, it helps it with yourself. And it's important, therefore, to have boundaries not only with other people, but also with yourself. You know, stop. Don't push yourself to such an extent that you have to spend weeks to recover. That means you're not setting a healthy boundary with your own sets of expectations. And when you're communicating with other people, or quite frankly, even with yourself, be assertive. Be clear. Use I messages. What is it that I really want out of this? What is it that I need? What are my must-haves and what are my can't-stands? Don't make it about the world out there. Generally, a sign of healing in other people that I see, it's when they've shifted from those people, that stuff out there to my stuff, myself in here. 
when experiences that are drawn upon are from I, as opposed to you, it, or they, it's a sign of a lot of healing because little by little we start to realize, oh, it's not actually their fault or its fault. The world is not out to get me. It's my responsibility to take care of myself. And I don't mean this in the lone ranger sort of way, but you know, it's my responsibility to connect with people and to set expectations for what I want that connection to look like. So I do hope this was helpful. As always, please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, whether that's, you know, you just want to set up a chat. I, I Even if it's a chat over the phone, uh, of course, I have courses. I have a community that's, hey, this is news. Um, you can check out on my website. There is the community tab that you can link to. So if you're interested in joining us, please do. It's official. It's live. Woohoo! Um, courses are coming soon. I've got a few of them sort of ready to go, but I wanted to have multiple ready before I launched. And so, yeah, if you just want to contact me, though, you don't want to join anything. You don't want to have to subscribe to anything. You just want to reach out. Write www.thehealthysensitive.com. Very front of the page. You can put in your name and just put in a short little note and say what you're curious about. And I'm happy to get back to you on anything, really. So love these kinds of conversations. If you have, let me see, any questions about the courses? Nope, it's all the same place. So I hope you have a fabulous week and I will check in next week. Talk to you soon. Bye.